At Speedway, we've always been here to get you what you need when you need it. We're committed to keeping our stores open, clean, and safe, so you can stay fueled and refreshed all summer long. We've got cold drinks for hot days and frozen drinks for even hotter ones, plus energy boosts, quick bites, and pick-me-ups. We're always on your way, and we're always here for you. So no matter what you need, when you stop by, we'll be ready. Now, any Speedy Freeze up to Mighty Size is just 99 cents. The Leslie Marshall Show, the only true democracy in talk radio, of, for, and by you, the people. Live nationwide and streaming live at LeslieMarshallShow.com. Call in with your thoughts at 888-6-LESLIE. Here to set you free. How you doing? Happy Friday. I'm Leslie Marshall. Welcome or welcome back. Only true democracy and talk. So listen. The president keeps boasting about his cognitive ability and the fact that he took this cognitive test that is used to screen people usually who are seniors um, for dementia and Alzheimer's. Uh, Chris Wallace, uh, my colleague at Fox News Channel, interviewed him, took the test himself. And I was talking with Marky Mark Grimaldi, who you can see here. Can they see you? Yeah, they can see you too. Uh, my executive producer. See how handsome he is? I, I, you know, I only hire handsome oh, guys to work with me, right? Uh, he's like my little brother. Um, and, and anyway, Mark, um, I said to Mark, hey, you know, I'd be interested in taking that test. And Mark said, yeah, why don't we do it on the air? So we're going to do that. Is it hard? Is it difficult? I don't know. I'm about to take it now. So be watching. All those of you on Twitter and Periscope, Facebook Live and YouTube Live or listening uh, via radio, uh, podcast or stream. Okay. And so here we go. Here we go. Away we go. I've just sent Leslie the first portion of the test, which is three boxes. You'll be able to see in a moment. I'll hold up to the screen. If you want to follow along at home, it's called the Montreal Cognitive Assessment, and what what you have to do for the first question, which I... Wait, missed. you're going to tell me when I do. I have to do it, right? Yeah, you're, you're ready. You okay. ready? Go ahead. Ready. Okay. Go? Yep. The thing I just said. Okay. So she's doing the first two questions, which is to connect these letters and numbers in sequential order while alternating between... Done. Oh, and she did drew the cube. Okay, and then no, you, not the cube. I haven't done the cube yet. Go the cube. Do the cube next. Okay, do the cube. cube next. Yep. Sorry, this, I don't know why I can't figure out how to hold this in front of a web camera. There we go. So she's got to draw a cube. Okay, and then next you're going to draw a clock that it is indicating ten past eleven. On ten the past clock. eleven. Correct. And I will grade Leslie at the end. Feeling powerful. Ten past eleven. Okay. So far so good. And then you have to name the three animals that are on the sheet. Okay. I'll you want me to say it? Just Lion, say them. yep. Rhinoceros known as a rhino and camel. Correct. Okay, so and far. I've written it down. So far, back it up a little right there. There you go, right there. Yep, okay, and I heard you say it. All right, so far, so good. Now, this portion is the memory portion, which became somewhat famous or infamous when Trump read it. Uh, it is going <laughs> to read a list of five words, and you must repeat them, uh, and you're going to have 
two chances to do it right now. And then do I do it? Wait, wait, do I do it twice or I get two chances to get it right? You do it twice. I'll ask okay. you, uh, I'll say it to you. You'll do it once and then you'll do it again. And then uh, at the end, you're going to do it one more time. Okay. So the okay. five words are face, velvet, church, daisy, red. Face, velvet, church, daisy, red. Correct. Okay, and then face. Do it. Oh, sorry. Do no, I do it ahead. twice? Do it again. Go ahead. Face, velvet, church, daisy, red. Correct. Okay, so far right. so good. Now, the next is an attention test, and you have to repeat the digits that I'm going to read to you in order. Okay, there's okay. five digits. Here we go. Okay. Two, one, eight, five, four. Two, one, eight, five, four. Correct. Now you have to repeat these three digits in the backwards order. Okay. Seven, four, two. Two, four, seven. Correct. Okay, this next portion is also in the attention section, which again, you can get the Montreal Cognitive Assessment through their website. Uh, and what you're going to do for this portion is you're going to tap, if you have a pencil or a pen, have the pen. Yeah. Each time I say the letter A, okay? Okay. And it's about, I don't know, it looks like maybe 20 letters that I'm going to read. So each time I say the letter A, you'll tap the pen. Okay. okay. It's F, B, A, C, M, N, A, A, J, K, L, B, A, F. A, K, D, E, A, 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 J, A, M, O, F, A, A, B. Perfect. You could have actually gotten two errors and still passed that section, but you got all of them right. Okay, okay, the next section, also made somewhat famous by Chris Wallace, is to subtract by seven, starting at the number 100. And, Oi, and I, you, I'm not good with math, but let's do it. <laughs> and you're going to do it five times, okay? So starting at 100, subtract... Wait, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to subtract from 100... By seven. By seven. Five all times. To, all the, no, just all five times. Just five oh, times. Okay. So okay. so okay. start with 100 and subtract 7. What is that? 93. Okay. And then take 7 off again. 86. Correct. And then take 7 off again. 79. Correct. And then take 7 off again. 72. And then last time take 7 off again. 65. Correct. You got all five right. And that is what I know you were worried about when you heard there was a I math was, portion. Math <laughs> is not my strong point. I've said it many times. All right. Language. Now, uh, you are going to repeat these two sentences in order if you can. Okay. Okay. The first one is, I only know that John is the one to help today. I only know that John is the one to help today. Correct. And then there's one more here, and it goes, The cat always hid under the couch when dogs were in the room. The cat always hid under the couch when dogs were in the room. Very good. 
I thought that one might be hard. Uh, now, the next yeah, one's the kind map. of fun. Name as many words as you can that start with the letter F in one... Uh, wait, wait, wait. Name as many words as I can that start with the letter F as in Frank? F as in Frank, and you're going to do okay. it in uh, one minute. And whenever you're ready... Actually, let's start it right... Uh, I need a pen. <laughs> Sorry, if you see me fall over, that's why. Okay, because I have to tally it. All right, yep. on your mark, you're, you're going to say F words that are clean. <laughs> Except that F. For okay. one minute, and go ahead. Go. Yep. Uh, uh, fool, uh, frivolous, a fracture, funny, fun, funky, foot, frame, fight, fall, foliage, um... Floor, fantastic, um, fuzzy, fork, I'm looking around, fat, um, fill, frock, I said fall, right, uh, fodder, film, French, food, uh, face, uh, format, fence, um, fell, fungus, um, fish, find, funky, Oh, you said Fox. funky. Feelings, Friday, uh, fit, freaky, flaky, flake, flakes. Time. Got it. Okay, wow, you got it. Holy moly. 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 38 you got, and you only needed 11. So that oh, wasn't even close. I didn't know I needed 11. I could have stopped. <laughs> well, we wanted to see how much you did in a minute. Okay, uh, now it's abstract words. So the example, you're going to tell me what these words have to do with each other, okay? It's okay. Uh, like the example is orange and banana. The linkage is that they're a fruit. So what it, what links the words, What it, why are they alike for train and bicycle? They're both modes of transportation, things that you ride. Trans modes of transportation. And the next one, a watch like you wear on your wrist and a ruler. They both measure. Correct. Okay, that was that. Now, this is the hard one. Uh, can you remember those five words that we did? Face, velvet, church, daisy red. Wow! I did not think you would get that. I'm just being honest. That's impressive. I have a good memory. That's I just wasn't I feel sure like this, if this is yeah. as good as I remembered it would be. <laughs> okay, and then last but not least, uh, what is the date today? Oh, God. I know that's hard um, even if you're not in cognitive decline. No, just because of COVID. Okay, we are in July 2020. Let me just think. I think Monday was the 20th. So 20th, 21st, 22nd, 23rd, 24th. July 24th, 2020. That is right. And what day of the week is it, did you say? Friday. Friday, yeah. And then uh, where are you? I'm in my home in uh, Pasadena, California in LA. Correct. County. You got a perfect score. And just in time because the break is about to be over. <laughs> And I can run for president or be president. Congratulations. Okay, we'll go to break. There is a fly. <laughs> now they're going to think I'm crazy in another way. If you miss Leslie on TV this week, catch up at lesliemarshallshow.com.
Friday, TGIF. I'm Leslie Marshall. How you doing? Good afternoon. Good afternoon to everyone. Welcome or welcome back. Only True Democracy and Talk. Really pleased to have with us a great guest today, David Pepper. He is chairman of the Ohio Democratic Party. He was elected in 2014 and then re-elected to a second term in 2018. David's also the author of a three-part series of widely praised novels, The People's House, The Wingman, and his newly released book, the Voter File. More than a pleasure to have David Pepper with us, chairman of the Ohio Democratic Party. Hi, David. Good afternoon. Happy Friday. Thank you for joining us and welcome. Appreciate you uh, taking the time today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's great to be with you. And it's uh, great to have you with us as, as well. Um, there, uh, Ohio is a state that many of us uh, on the left and right definitely have eyes on when you have a general election as we have coming up this November uh, in this year of 2020. Um a lot of people looked at since 2016 your state of Ohio as, as pretty red and, right. and a state that kind of looked like a lost cause for for Democrats, right? I mean, he had a victory there in 2016. Um, the party uh, Democrats carried the state with Barack Obama twice uh, prior to that, so it was a slam to Hillary, slam to the Democrats, and definitely a win for Republicans, the Republican Party for Donald Trump as chairman of the Ohio Democratic Party. Is your state looking like a lost cause or is it more of a tantalizing opportunity uh, for Democratic nominee, former Vice President Joe Biden? And so thank you for the question. You know, we've been battling this narrative since 16 that we are somehow more red than ever, can't be won, shouldn't compete here. And, and the, the data does not back up that myth. If you look closely, you know, yes, Trump won by too much for a variety of reasons. He won the Midwest by too much. Uh, for a variety of reasons. Uh, a lot of the, you know, in the Midwest states, the Clinton campaign didn't really compete in most of these states. So there were runaway losses in rural parts of the state uh, that, that, that Obama would have lost, let's say, 60-40. Hillary Clinton lost some 75-25. That moved every state about six or seven points to the right of where they'd been only a few years ago. So we lose Wisconsin and Michigan. Ohio, which was a close win, moves way to the right. We're an eight-point loss. But since 16, if you look at 17 local races, 18, Sherrod Brown, two Supreme Court seats that we win, we flip six state house seats that have been gerrymandered for Republicans that we flip in 18 that we before had never competed in because they were so oh, gerrymandered. And then even in 19, there's a very clear pattern happening. The, the former base of the Republican Party of Ohio were these large suburbs. That's where they'd win big. They're now blue. That's the largest voting block in Ohio. If the largest voting block went from red to blue, it fundamentally changes how you win Ohio. That's why Sherrod Brown, in 18, he won by more than he did in 12 when Obama won. We won state house seats that we didn't win in 12 when Obama won in 18. We won two Ohio Supreme Court seats for the first time in decades. We elected our first African-American woman Democrat statewide ever in one of those Supreme Court races. And we're, I, the way I characterize it, we're more of a rigged state than a red state. About 50% of Ohioans in 2018 voted for a Republican for the state house. About 49% voted for a Democrat. Yeah. You don't know it because the, the gerrymandering makes it like 63-36. Very similar with Congress. So the point is, this big shift in our suburbs, powered largely by women, and then an anemic economy. We had our worst economic year in Ohio in 19 before the COVID crisis hit. We lost manufacturing, we lost construction, farm bankruptcies. 
So the suburbs are flipping for deeper reasons around sort of just where we are as a country. But even the more rural blue collar areas that Trump did very well in, his economic promises have gone for nothing. You know, these places are struggling as bad or worse as they were when he promised them the world. So he can't rely on huge margins there if we do our job and campaign there. He can't rely on the suburbs, which are going the other way. The cities are fired up. So all that together means it doesn't guarantee anything. It's Ohio. It's close. But it means a good campaign like Sherrod Brown's can win Ohio. And that's why when we see polls now consistently with Biden tied her ahead, the nation's sort of shocked by it. Our answer is that's what the data would suggest from this major tectonic shift you're seeing uh, around the state that's, again, driven by uh, a lot, lot of women basically abandoning their old party, independents becoming Democrats, and more rural parts. You know, just as a quick example, we had a number of cities in 2019, small rural towns that Trump won 60-40. Democratic mayors ousted the Republican mayors 60-40 or better in a bunch of them. Why? Because those towns aren't doing very well and people want to change. So you add it all up, a good campaign can certainly win Ohio in 2020. You had talked about polls, two prominent polls out of your state last month showed what you said, a statistical tie in the presidential right. race between Trump and Biden. But I want to talk about some other polls, and those are exit polls. Right. Turnout in the Ohio primary elections in April, it was higher for Democrats than for Republicans for the first time in dozens of years. Why do you think that is? And, and, and do you think that's evidence of enthusiasm in the Democratic base? Because a lot of people talk about lack of enthusiasm for Joe Biden. Actually, it was both. Uh, interestingly, yeah. You, we, so in Ohio, you don't declare a party. You declare your party by voting in the primary. And so for the first time since 08, we, had more, we have more Democrats in Ohio than Republicans. And it was significantly more. And it happened for two reasons. One was general energy. But also going back to what I said before, you can track who voted in what primary in recent years. Thousands more former Republicans voted in the Democratic primary than the other way around. And even a greater degree of people who previously basically didn't vote a primary for a party. They took an independent ballot or they hadn't voted much in primaries. They also were taking Democratic ballots far more than Republicans. So it's both energized Democrats, but it's also party switching. We have you know, a couple counties, for example, Delaware County, no, the suburbs of northern Co Columbus, used to be a very Republican county, uh, you know, second biggest margin of victory for Republicans. In the, Democrat, in the primary a few months ago, 45% of the voters in that primary were Republicans, 43% were Democrats. This is a wow. county we used to lose 70-30. Sherrod lost it by 4%. You're, if you're taking away the counties they have to win by a lot, you're a lot closer to winning. So, yeah, we saw energy and we saw dramatic party switching in a lot of parts of the state. Um, and, and, you know, are we coming up against a break? Yeah, we're coming up against a break. So I don't want to ask you a question you can't answer to the other side. We'll just wait till the other side of that break. Uh, but a uh, quick break and we'll be back with our guest. I hope you'll stick with us. David Pepper, chairman of the Ohio Democratic Party, also author of a three-part series of widely praised novels, The People's House, the wingman, and his newly released book, The Voter File. Be sure to get a copy of that and certainly the first two since it's a trilogy. On Twitter, follow David there at David Pepper, D-A-V-I-D-P-E-P-P-E-R. And the websites uh, you want to check out. The Ohio Democratic Party is ohiodems.org. The website for David's books, davidpepper.com. I'm Leslie Marshall. We'll be back with David. We'll be back with you right after this. Don't go away. 
Follow Leslie on Twitter. Just go to www.twitter.com slash Leslie Marshall, and we'll be sure to share your tweets. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of truth. The Leslie Marshall Show. And we're back. We're back with our guest, David Pepper, chairman of the Ohio Democratic Party and author of a three-part series, The People's House, The Wingman, and the most newly released book that he has out, The Voter File. David, thank you for holding. Welcome back. Um, A lot of things to talk about today, but I just want to touch uh, upon one more thing in the state of Ohio with regard to the presidential election coming up in November, and that's the amount of money that the Trump campaign is spending. They recently booked $18.4 million in fall TV ads in your state. That's more than any other state besides Florida. Do you think that's a sign that Donald Trump is on the defensive um, because this is a state that I think Republicans had considered, especially in light of 2016, locked down for them in the GOP. I mean, it, it's clearly that, you know, one of his top sort of co-campaign managers is, is an Ohio Republican. I think they know what I've been saying is true for some time. They've kind of hidden it well, and Democrats haven't been as fast to figure it out. But Donald Trump visited Ohio more than any other state in 19, where he, except for states where he owns golf courses and was golfing. Uh, and now we see the money flowing. I think they know they're in trouble here. Um, and all those visits didn't really matter. Mike Pence, you know, we've had DeVos here twice in a week virtually. They're coming in here again and again, trying to pretend that the Ohio economy is strong when it's actually, as I said in the prior segment, it's very weak here. People know it. He broke promises here. Plants are closing. And so, yeah, they, that booking that $18 million tells us that they know they're in trouble. And we also know it's like Florida. He loses Ohio, it's over. I mean, it's that's the end of the election. He right. knows it, we know it. And one of the things I like about this, though, is, you know, in politics, you're either on offense or defense. The best thing about to win Wisconsin and Michigan is if Trump's in Ohio fighting for his life here. That means he's not in Milwaukee. That means he's not in, in Michigan. So the fact that we've got him on the ropes here, we think we can beat him here, but that's the best way to make sure he's not spending that $18 million in Wisconsin. It's interesting that you said if he loses Ohio, he's lost. Because if you remember, Carl Grove on Fox News Channel was with um, Megyn Kelly and Brett Baer. And when um, Mitt Romney lost Ohio to Barack Obama and Megyn Kelly called it for, uh, um, you know, uh, Barack Obama, Carl Rove was arguing it. Right. And he goes, well, we got to have Ohio. And he goes, she goes, Ohio's done. But it went to Obama. And he, he looked, I he watched at, that. Yeah, he's my colleague at Fox, but he was. He definitely looked blindsided uh, is an understatement. One last thing about the presidential election in your state. You had kind of off the cuff mentioned just before the break about rural voters in your state. And you said something like, you know, if if we campaign, you know, if they campaign to them or get out to them, yeah. paraphrasing your words, especially with COVID-19, what would you, if you were on the phone with Joe Biden or, you know, with his campaign chair right now, what would you tell them? Um, they need to do to reach out to those rural voters, to people that banked on Trump for the economy, the economy's not happening, and also are not happy with his handling of COVID-19. I think do what you did in 08 and 12. Obama and Biden traveled and pushed, not just in our big cities, which is, of course, our base. We have to win there. Right. But they, they made a point and they showed the respect to campaign in smaller towns in rural Ohio. And here's the bottom line. Those towns need the democratic sort of platform as much as anyone, Medicaid expansion, infrastructure, 
someone who cares about dealing with the COVID in, in a, in a you know, pro-science, listening to science way, these towns are struggling as much as anyone, in some cases worse. The Republican agenda only pulls away from them. So it's showing up, laying out your agenda, and, and actually being confident to know your agenda is exactly what these towns need. You know, we had a 28-year-old win 72-28 in the town of Ironton, Ohio, last November. He beat Trump won Ironton more than 60-40. Our 28-year-old said, you know why I won? Because I asked him, of course. He said, our town's not doing very well. And I was the only change on the ballot that year. And so I go on to win. And I think we need to be the ones confident enough to say, we know you had promises broken. We know no one's paid attention. And what do you guys need? You need infrastructure, job opportunity, options for young people, and you need health care. That's what we're for. And the other side is doing none of that. And so I, I do think, and by the way, these are parts of the state that are on the, you know, the latter end of the COVID surge. But these states are these parts are now the ones who are going to start to see the pickup. We're already seeing this. So you also want someone who's going to take that seriously. So you add it all up. I'm not saying you're going to win these places necessarily, but you, if you lose them 60-40 or so like Sherrod Brown did when he had a seven-point win in 18, or like Obama did, and then you have the suburbs moving our way in energized cities, that's how you just won Ohio, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin. Uh, so we can do it, and it means showing up and laying out that clear Democratic platform. Well, lots of stuff to talk about. Um, it, to, uh, speaking of Ohio Republicans, Ohio House Speaker Larry Householder and four others were arrested on charges stemming from a $60 million bribery case right. brought by a uh, U.S. attorney for the Southern District of Ohio, David uh, DeVillis. Uh, why why does this matter? People are saying this is the largest bribery money laundering scheme ever perpetrated against the people of the state of Ohio. And it would seem that some people outside of Ohio don't know about this. Uh, this matters. This is a big deal. Please. It is a big deal. I mean, it, it, and by the way, this is an every two or three year thing at this point for Ohio Republicans. You know, a couple of years ago, it was a massive pay to play scandal with a for profit online scam charter school that pulled hundreds of millions out of public schools. The last speaker resigned because of a pay-to-play scandal with payday lenders. Now it's this one. It matters because hopefully people think a politician should be accountable when they're corrupt. But the second thing, it goes right back to what I just said earlier. It matters because people being elected, and, and Larry Householder is one of our many state reps from rural areas, from small towns, in his own district and others, that are not doing well. And rather than focusing his time on the public interest of getting them infrastructure or good schools, these guys are lining their pockets to do favors for special interests and private interests. So I think anytime you see this level of corruption, you will also see public decline in the entity where that corruption is happening. And that's the story of Ohio. So in the very districts of these corrupt politicians will be small towns that aren't seeing any hope. They're not seeing any investment because their own representatives are doing all these side deals. The best example is this for-profit charter school scam. It's a terrible school. It was failing thousands of kids. So the money leaves good Ohio public schools and goes into corrupt charter schools for-profit because the owner of those schools is the biggest donor of the Republican Party. So you're seeing uh, a squandering of public resources, which leads to a state decline all because of our corrupt culture. So it's not only corruption is bad for its own sake, it's directly connected to the decline all across the state of communities, schools, 
And, and you know, in about every way you can measure Ohio, we've been declining for a decade. It coincides precisely with this period of corruption in our state. No wonder Betsy DeVos is there. Exactly. I mean, when, when you talk about, you know, who's who's where the money's going, what kind of schools the money's going to um, there. This blew my mind. I, um, you know, I found this very interesting that we when we knew we were going to have you on and we were touching upon this, that there was an 80 page, 80 page criminal complaint that was unsealed. Um, it was a dark money enterprise. Uh, millions of dollars were received from March 2017 to March 2020. Like you said, this wasn't an overnight thing. Three years in the making. Um, in exchange for householders and the enterprise's help in passing that House Bill 6. I mean, this is kind of stuff that you see on, like, The Sopranos. Do you, I'm sorry. You know what I mean? It's sort of like, you know, hey, it's some money, pass the bill. Right. Uh, a billion-dollar bailout that um, saved two failed Ohio nuclear plants um, from closing. Um, that money used to line householders' pockets, help him se secure support for his Ohio House Speaker bid, um, four additional men arrested, household advisor Jeffrey Longstreth, lobbies Neil Clark, former Ohio Republican Party chair Matthew Borges, co-founder of the Oxley Group, Juan Cespedes, uh, a householder and his associates made incriminating statements about their um, illegal activities in meetings with undercover agents. And now they say there are more arrests um, expected. Uh, were you amazed at how many people were involved here, how many people knew and are you, are you surprised there'll be more arrests? Yeah, because the first thing I thought a, when I saw this list of people was there's got to be more, more people now. Yeah, I mean, we'll see where the tentacles go. I mean, this was obviously a bombshell. The thing that people are, are outside of Ohio, even within Ohio, will not know is how powerful Larry Householder was. And right. to the extent he has given so much money to the Republican Party, he's basically the funder of all of all the candidates on his team. And so if he said to do something, these people clearly did it. But it also means that a lot of these House candidates who are running right now, a lot of their money is tainted. It's it's money that came for this criminal enterprise. In some cases, this enterprise was was well, the one running the TV ads in their district, funding the campaign managers. So one thing we're doing right now as a party and our, our Democrats as the legislatures follow the money. Because we yeah. don't believe any of this money should be spent for one second. It should all be frozen in place. And that money now is just over, you know, it's just sloshing around in all sorts of Republican accounts. None of it should be spent on the campaign. And so our, our attitude is householder should resign. He should yep. be expelled if he doesn't resign. They yep. should repeal the bill. But beyond that, it, it should go deeper. If you want to end this once and for all, because it happens every two years, we have to change the culture completely and vote in all the Democrats running to clean it up. Because okay, it, good, good point. Be your thing. Good point. We can take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about this. I also want to talk about your book, the third uh, in a trilogy. And uh, good to have our guest with us. I hope you'll stick with us. Quick break, and we'll be back right after this with David Pepper, chairman of the Ohio Democratic Party, author of his newly released book, The Voter File. We're going to talk about that third in his trilogy, The People's House, The Wingman, number one and number two. We'll be back with him, the author and chairman of the Ohio Democratic Party after this. If you miss Leslie on TV this week, catch up at lesliemarshallshow.com. We are back. Welcome, welcome back. 
David Peppers, our guest chairman of the Ohio Democratic Party, and he is also author of the three-part series of the widely praised novels, The People's House, The Wingman, and his most newly released book, the third in this trilogy, The Voter File. David, thank you for holding Welcome Back. Uh, so many uh, things to talk about and touch upon. Uh, before we move to two other topics I want to get to before the end of the interview in the show today and the end of the week, um, we were talking about the corruption in um, Ohio. And um, we were talking about, for people who've just tuned in, Ohio House Speaker Larry Householder and four others arrested on charges stemming from a $60 million bribery case brought by U.S. Attorney for the Southern District of Ohio, of Ohio David DeVillers. Um, you, you had talked about resignation and you had talked about scrapping the bill and starting again. Your Republican in Ohio, Governor Mike DeWine, did call on Householder to resign. He said it would be impossible for him to serve effectively as leader of the Ohio legislature. And uh, DeWine uh, now says that the nuclear energy bailout should be repealed and replaced. Um, and uh, he changed his mind, it seems, right, just yesterday or uh, the day before, uh, yesterday, I think, right after Wednesday, when he talked about House Bill 6 and asked legislators to repeal the bill and start over. And you had mentioned uh, it goes further that you need um, to uh, put um, Democrats in. Um, are, uh, do you think that Householder will, in fact, resign? And do you agree with the governor um, well, you know, actually, I want to ask you something. A lot of people I know here in California, I and not just in California, in the United States as an American, I would be shocked. I would be appalled if I found out that this kind of corruption um, could reach some of the highest levels of government. And within the state of Ohio, I'm wondering if you're hear hearing from Ohio voters, especially those in the Democratic Party, as you were chair, um, that they are shocked and, and appalled by this. And um, are, are they and you in agreement with uh, uh, the Ohio uh, governor, who is a Republican, asking Householder to resign. Oh, do you yeah, think? I mean, I think will. it's sorry, very, big question. It's very broadly felt. Um, he hasn't done it yet. I mean, I think if he doesn't, there will be a move. I would think to expel him. It would put a. It needs two thirds, and if Republican House members, even the ones who are only there because of him, said no, I think it would be a real problem. Just so, just so it's clear, there's already stories that this investigation is beyond this energy bill. I mean, because if you're corrupt on one thing, you're corrupt on everything. And so we're look, talking about nursing homes and other industries. So that puts you in a position as a legislator. You don't know what bill's corrupt anymore. You don't know which piece of legislation is resulting from yet another pay-to-play scam. So I just think it does make it impossible to function. And I think it'll become inevitable, and the sooner the better. But by the way, any Republican who would vote no on expelling him, I think, would would pay the price. By the way, one other thing that, that this does is Ohioans will be shocked, but they'll also say, didn't this just happen? Right. The, speaker, the last speaker resigned two years ago. Well, that, that's why I was asking. I, that's why I was asking, knowing that and you sharing, I knew that yeah. and those who didn't, you shared that. Are they desensitized? Is this they an are, because some Some scandals are more understandable than others. This one is so big, I think it's breaking through. The pay-to-play with for-profit charter schools, to me, is still maybe the most horrific because it undermined the education of millions of kids. Um, but it was a complicated one more than others. Um, and so it didn't break through as much. But the point is, one question is, well, how are these guys so corrupt and they keep getting elected? And this is how it's relevant to 20. The answer is gerrymandering. It's so bad that it doesn't just create a culture without accountability. The people get reelected even when they're corrupt. And so my hope is in 2020 in Ohio, 
we have a chance to flip the Ohio Supreme Court. This is a districting year, obviously. Yep. Every state house seat we pick up helps us in gerrymandering. So we have a clearer message. It's not, don't just vote for your person to replace the other person. If we do this enough and we flip to a Democratic court, just like Pennsylvania, we can get rid of this gerrymandered system, this rigged system once and for all. And that's how we really clean up the place. So there is a, the timing of this for, for what we've been saying about and their supermajority and the rigging of Ohio districts couldn't be better. So we have a chance this November to change the overall structure of the state to put this all behind us and start moving forward again. I want to talk about something you're advocating uh, the expansion of, and that's vote drop boxes. And you're advocating this during our current times of this COVID-19 pandemic. Um, To me, this seems like a common sense solution to voting. Tell folks what vote drop boxes are and why you advocate expanding them. As I tweeted today, some things are hard and some things are easy. Vote drop boxes are very easy. It's basically... Right now, they're, they're attacking the mail system. You vote by mail. And by the way, voting by mail is, is, is fine. But wouldn't you rather stick it in a box that the Board of Elections picks up every single day? You don't yep. need to put a stamp on it. A lot of them are drive through. So the bottom line is a lot of states, Washington and Oregon, have done this for years. So have Republican states. So this isn't even partisan. If Brian Kemp's Georgia can have multiple drop boxes throughout Georgia, including Atlanta and Wisconsin can, there's no reason every state shouldn't. So our point in Ohio is right now we have one drop box per county. Driving 30 minutes to and from that drop box makes no sense. So we are pushing very hard, and Ohio allow, uh, law allows for this, to provide, you know, just like these other states, drop boxes, you know, at libraries, at city halls. Right. That way, with a 30-day voting window by mail, it's very easy to, for people to vote this way. And in the states that have drop boxes, 60% or more people vote at them. Here's the problem. If you have one drop box per county, that last weekend, the traffic jam to vote is going to be miles long. So let's get rid of those lines. And, and the other thing it allows is we want, because of a pandemic, the more people can get their vote out of the way early versus election day is a safer election. Right. Having these drop boxes everywhere is, is it helps make it safe. Bottom line is there's no reason not to do it unless you want to make voting harder. It's legal. It's practical. Voters prefer it. So you saw my little video today, which yeah. is taken off a little bit. Just go do it. This is just not that hard. If, if, if nurses yeah. and doctors can deal with what they're dealing with every day, elections officials can put drop boxes throughout our communities. Uh, what I liked was the data. I mean, you know, we can't argue with facts. And the other states that you talked about, both Republican and Democrat, most voters are using these boxes yeah. more than they're using the mail system. So it's right. more convenient. And uh, it, it's safe, it's easy, fewer delays, no stamps, and really can't be attacked by the president and those on the right as not being safe since Republican states Absolutely. like Georgia have them and because the voters are using them more than the mail. Exactly. I hope, I hope people keep pushing it. If you don't have it in your state, point to these other states that do it. If Brian Kemp can do it, we all can do it. What is the argument or pushback for these, if any? Every argument doesn't work because it's done in so many. Well, it's hard to do. Are they secure? I'm like, if Wisconsin and, and, and Georgia are doing it securely, learn how they're doing it. Do the same thing. There's no good argument against it. There just isn't. And by the way, no other time like now uh, right. to do it, right? Right. If you haven't done it before, this is clearly the, one of the easiest solutions to making voting better in a pandemic. 
Let's move on to something I've been looking forward to speaking to you about, and uh, that is your new book out called The Voter File. It's third mm-hmm. in a three-book series, a trilogy on fictional investigative reporter Jack Sharp. Uh, here is what President Bill Clinton, are you friends with the former president? I, I have a picture of myself with the Bill Clinton right over there. Um, uh, lovely man, quite frankly, and one of my favorite, if not my favorite presidents. Here is what President Bill Clinton has to say about the voter file. Quote, Pepper comes through again with this clever tale of how cyber sabotage of elections coupled with highly concentrated ownership of traditional media operations, sounds like real life, can undermine American democracy. Um, And uh, I'm going to tell you again, but I want you to know the voter file is available in hardcover, audiobook, or Kindle edition. You can get all three of those uh, types at Amazon.com. First of all, why did you start um, this uh, series, this trilogy. Why did you a Why did you decide to start it? B Why fictional and C Why a trilogy? That's a great question. So I wrote these books because uh, you know I wanted to tell a good story, and a good book isn't going to work unless it's a good story. But if you read me, if you read my books, you will hear a lot of what I described in the interview of frustration with gerrymandering, the importance of voting all the way through your ballot, um, dark money. These books are the fictional side of those issues. And my goal has been that people who are maybe not as political, who would, wouldn't pick up Jane Mayer's Dark Money book, for example, but they're reading a fiction book that kind of tells an account of what is happening real life in politics. For example, I just tweeted in response to your tweet to me about me today, a short passage from my most recent book about corruption in Ohio. And it describes almost exactly what just happened before it happened. My first book, believe it or not, was about a Russian oligarch rigging an American election through voting machines. I wrote it before 16 happened. And so what I try to do in these books is capture the real world of politics through through the eyes of an investigative reporter. But I try and do it based on what's really happening. And I try and sort sort of brainstorm about what are some of the scenarios of, of not so good things that could happen in this very sort of tough political world we live in? Th- this recent book is actually about uh, the effort to, in a year like 2020, mess with state legislative uh, races to control the gerrymandering process. So you'll see it's very relevant to 2020. Now, they do it through by getting into the voter files of the two parties. It's sort of the worst case scenario if someone didn't hack emails or polling, but actually hack voter files. But you'll see that folks, so the folks who are political generally enjoy these books. But part of my point is to educate people who are a little less political about what gerrymandering and dark money, what they actually allow to happen to our political system. So it's it's both fiction, but also a little bit of nonfiction all wrapped in one book. And, and that's why Bill Clinton, he, he's, I've always known him a little bit through politics, he called me out of the blue two years ago and said, I picked up the people's house. I read it in one sitting like I love your books. And so he's been just a fan of these because they kind of they're, yeah. they're sort of half fiction and half real life. He actually is a voracious reader. He, he really is. is. He, get, he, he, it's not, he loves history, but he also loves a good political thriller, as do I. And one of the things I like about uh, this particular book of the three is that the uh, that you have a rogue reporter um, as the hero, if you will, uh, in this political uh, thriller, um, because I, I love politics. I love thrillers. You know, I have a journalistic background. I work in the media, so I really identify with it. You know, I, I think it has something for everyone. You know, people that like the thrill, people that like politics, people that like the news. 
people that love or hate the media <laughs> and, and, and reporting. Um, it, it's, it's a great book. And by the way, The Voter File, available in hardcover, audiobook, or Kindle edition at Amazon.com. On Twitter, follow David at David Pepper. The websites are Ohio Democratic Party, OhioDems.org. And to get David's books, go to DavidPepper.com. David, thank you. I'm Leslie Marshall. Thanks, Leslie. Take care. Add a little play to your day with the Michigan Lottery. Over 90 online instant games to choose from, with prizes up to $500,000. A Marquette County woman recently won $250,000 playing online. Could you be next? Sign up online today to receive 10 free games with promo code FUN. Visit MichiganLottery.com to add a little play to your day. I'm an emergency medical technician. I've worked a lot of vehicle crashes, and too often, alcohol is involved. I've seen so many lives lost. Some were drunk drivers, some were just people going about their day, all because someone was drinking and said, I'm okay to drive. It's not okay. Police are cracking down on impaired drivers now, so drive sober or get pulled over. A message from the Michigan Office of Highway Safety Planning. 